Hello and welcome to this next episode of this podcast from Jazz Community Church, looking at the vision for um, Jazz Community Church in 2019. And very pleased today to say that we have another kind of guest speaker, as it were, on the podcast. Uh, Alex Douglas is a sort of associate member in in a way. Um, he works as a musician um, and he works in the area of spirituality and theology, um, academia, and does work as well with um, in the area of mental health. So in many ways, he, he resonates quite deeply with us as a community, and we're really pleased that he's able to come and speak into, um, into the life of the church in this way. Um, and he's going to be speaking today on the theme of hope, uh, and particularly how, as Jazz Community Church, we might be a place of hope, and a place, uh, a safe space uh, for people who um, need to work a few things through. So, um, so over to Alex, and um, I'll speak to you again at the end. Okay, great. Um, so here's how this this is going to work. I'm going to just offer a few sort of, I suppose, preliminary remarks, some of which we can keep or whatever, and then sort of having set the scene then take us into, shall we say, the talk proper. Does that make sense? Now, these books here are not all necessarily to be used, but the process of thinking about hope has been, has been really nice and really important because hope in words is one thing, hope in music is another. And so to, just to talk about hope in music and in a Christian context, that's, that's a good thing to talk about. But there is a sense in which I'm really looking to see how I can gently but specifically tie that into the story of the Jazz Community Church and into how, what we want to achieve with this church community, who we want to be, how then what happens with music and hope ties into that. So there are quite a few different levels going on there and then the also, what I hope to do is to share a little of my own story so that you can see that how we've gotten to this is not just academic. So today we're going to talk about hope. And we're doing this in the context of the Jazz Community Church. And one of the things which I considered in trying to work out how we map our journey this afternoon is the fact that sometimes some very important ideas have been shared by some people who have turned out to be not all that we might have hoped, and yet still what they said was true. That's important because I'd like us to begin, before we get to scripture, with this idea from Bill Hybels who in a book called Hope of the World made the case that the local church is the hope of the world. Now this is really important as a church community that is new and exciting as this one is, continues to progress that journey of working out exactly who it understands itself to be and how that is shared, how that is articulated to others. And of course, it's a wonderful idea that a church community is a place where people can find hope. Hope is a very interesting idea. And part of what we'll talk about is some of the ways in which hope as we experience it in music 
differs a little bit from hope as we experience it in language. But before we get there, I'd like to start talking about music and other things. Our first reading will be from the Old Testament, from the book of Amos. Amos chapter 5. And any Christians of whatever experience and community who know something about the kinds of conversations that take place around music will have an idea just about now that Amos has a few strong things to say about worship on behalf of God himself. Starting in chapter 5, from verse 23. Away with your hymns of praise. They are only noise to my ears. I will not listen to your music, no matter how lovely it is. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, a river of righteous living that will never run dry. Part of my own interest and belief in the importance of this church project, or if we were to be genuinely theological and therefore a little bit poncy, theologians like long words, it's, it's a hazard of life, we could say this ecclesiological concept, ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, what is it that the Jazz Community Church has been called out to do? And some people will be very interested in the wonderful music making that takes place here, in the aesthetic experience. But God is saying that what he wants is for the worshiping community to be a place of justice a place of peace, a place of, wait for it, hope. Now what's really interesting about the Old Testament, New Testament situation when we talk about Advent is that Advent isn't just in the New Testament, it's also in the Old. And so even when the word hope isn't being used, just thinking about the difficulty that we all experience, if the church could be a place where we cannot solve all of the problems, but we're in here, we can be fair to each other, we can be true, we can be just. Then a person could leave this community, this, a place of worship, a liturgical space, empowered through God, supported by people to cope with whatever craziness life is throwing at them. So music is really important but it's not the most important thing, and that seems massively important, that three importance I know, for a church that has jazz in its name and is committed to music, but is a church before it is a place of music. I really hope that makes sense. The next reading from the New Testament, and in, in many ways, depending on what translation a person reads, this is one of Paul's most famous verses. And different translations start with the words, for we are saved by hope. Which of course creates the possibility of confusion because some Bible students who are listening to this, who are in this room right now, might be saying, surely we're saved by grace. But wait, Paul is the one saying this. Well, 
Now that gets complicated because of course the theologians have very different ideas about how things are to be interpreted. So is this that we take Paul at his word? Or how do we read that? This translation that I'm reading from right now puts it a little bit differently. Here's the whole verse. Verse 24 of Romans 8, now that we are saved, we eagerly look forward to this freedom. For if you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. So now in English, the placement of hope is slightly realigned. And in the next verse, verse 25, but, but if, and in English, but and if is very important in Paul's writing. If we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. Now, I'm holding a book about the moment written by the American academic, Noel McAfee, who divides her time between politics and philosophy. What has this got to do with the church, you ask? Well, McAfee is arguing in a book entitled Habermas, Kristeva, and Citizenship that academic ideas really only become important to anybody when they leave the academy and travel into the world. And in this book, the last chapter, she talks about a very interesting idea, deliberative communities. And she starts by quoting John Dewey, who is a famous political philosopher. And Dewey wrote that democracy is, I quote, the idea of community life itself. What seems to happen at the moment is that people drift into pockets of communities. where you think you might belong, where people use words in ways that you understand, where they look like you, where they have the same types of ideas, the same types of socioeconomic values, etc., etc., etc. I do not propose to, to get too philosophically dense, but I do propose to think this through with you with the help of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that happened in the 20th century is that some people, one of them was a famous person called Adorno, began to argue that this idea that everybody has the same universal beliefs and the same universal rights, that there is a sort of a givenness of universality, it might need looking at. And that may sound a little bit dense, but here's one thing that comes from that idea. These thinkers were saying that the general idea is that we're free and we choose and we're free and we choose, but maybe even as we protest how free we are, this is in a secular context of course, actually the decisions have already been made. And we are slipping into pre-existing boxes of communities and ideas about communities Ideas about what it means to be a person. So with mental health, ideas about what it means, wait for this, to be normal. 
And that's interesting because earlier this year at the University of Leeds Beckett, some research was launched talking about social recovery for African Caribbean and African men. Obviously diasporic people here in the UK. And the way that this research was done was what's called co-production. So it was a collaborative venture between the research participants and the researchers. And out of this collaborative co-produced venture, they came up with four pillars of recovery. Safe spaces, agency, relationships, renegotiating identity. So let's take those very quickly. Safe spaces. And as I listened to these different mental health professionals explicating this project, these findings, and these four pillars, the first thing that came into my mind is that a church would be all of those things. Let me quickly unpack that. Whoever you are, whatever your story, ideally this would be a place where you could be welcome. But are our churches always welcoming? So without staying on the negative, what does the Just Community Church propose to be? A safe space for everybody, including those who are suffering from mental distress and may not do the type of normal that many Christians seem to prefer. Agency, what's agency? Now, this is really interesting. Again, we don't want to make it overcomplicated. But if I now say that Jesus Christ died because as far as God is concerned, agency matters, that ability as a person to choose, to exercise volition, to make decisions, including what kind of church am I going to go to, what kind of Christian do I want to be, what kind of person do I want to be, a decision to worship God or to not worship God. But it mattered so much that grace means we have the right to choose. Can our church be a place where people actually discover that there is a kind of agency that is only possible when we realize who God is and what his idea was for us? And this is where the gospel starts to become, you will all know this word, positively, positively counter-cultural. Because the idea is, the less restrictions I can see, the freer I am. Which is a wonderful opportunity to now talk a little bit about jazz and the fact that jazz exemplifies the principle, the truth, that there is more freedom when there are boundaries than when there are none. Think about it for just a moment. If jazz or any kind of serious improvised music literally mandated that you play, quote, quote, whatever you liked, 12 musicians and music makers offers the prospect of, amongst other things, at least 12 different keys. Can you imagine what sort of cacophony that would be? 
PhDs in music are not required to have some kind of concept that everybody playing in the same key, and just for the music knowers amongst us, or some kind of inharmonically related key at least. And if you don't know what that means, you can guess. Some keys are closer to others. But somehow, the idea that jazz is about whatever you want, here's now where I wish to go. That's not only a misrepresentation of jazz, it's a misrepresentation of freedom. And the analogy there is that the type of freedom that the gospel offers is a freedom which doesn't look like freedom. So then the question becomes, if I'm gonna think about how I can find hope, and I haven't thought about what my values are, then I don't have a way to know whether even what this church can offer and what Jesus Christ offers can actually be hope. And that's part of why this talk is a little bit technical because Emmanuel Kant argued, and many Christians haven't understood him, that if you don't have your ethics together in some kind of way before your religion, before your theology, then you've got a problem. Now, I'm the last person who wants to say that we don't start with the Bible, but we know that the Bible is read in different ways by different churches. So without saying how it should be read, maybe one of the things for us to think about here at Jazz Community Church is that we absolutely believe in the Bible, but we know that people are going to go on different journeys to working out who God is, who they are, and rather than dictate what route everybody follows to become a disciple of Jesus or to remain a disciple of Jesus, we create the space for people to find their own journey. A kind of freedom in the end to discover who you are and even my story is, the more time, the further you grow in discovering who you are in Jesus, it seems, the more there is to learn. Coming towards the end. Thank you, everybody. I'm just going to flag my last text before I take us to Dallas Willard quickly and John Macquarie. But we're going to go to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, and there's a well-known text there which is also in a, a favorite Christian piece of music. So I've put, told you where I'm going. Hope and music. Now, I have been arguing in other contexts recently that one of the challenges about hope and words includes that it is possible for any of us to say, I have hope. I am experiencing hope. So this is supposed to sound like an unnecessary question, a superfluous question, but let me ask it anyway. Just because, let's talk like me, I can say, I have hope, Do the words actually mean that I have hope? Is there a difference between experiencing hope and talking about hope? 
I think that sometimes there is. And sometimes hope that people are looking for is not even the hope of very Christian sounding words. So when we sing, there is a tradition of thought that kind of goes back, depending on who you believe, to Augustine, although there is a Jewish thread as well as a Christian thread, which goes like this. To sing is to pray twice. Now this is interesting in part because the sounds of music may stir my emotions, but they also may allow me to think through my own feelings in ways which, if I were to think using words, I could possibly get caught up with the kinds of Christian-type language that those people who have grown up in Christian churches are so used to. And we already know the sayings, we know the phrases, we know the answers, and, and I want to be careful here, but also to put my finger on a very complex challenge. Maybe because we've said the right answers to the right questions for so long, in some cases, we haven't really connected to what they mean. And so Dallas Willard argues in this book, personal religion, public reality, that in one sentence, this thing that we call Christian faith and Christian life experience isn't something that is separate to knowledge, it is. Now, why is Dallas Willard important to me personally? Because Dallas Willard trained to be a pastor and then became a professor of philosophy. And he found a lot of peace and a lot of mental stability in grappling with great ideas from the past and present. But Dallas Willard saw philosophy as an opportunity to stretch his mind and his church as, a, as an opportunity to be a pastor from the pew. And so Dallas wrote books which only a philosophy professor could have written. And when he says, faith is knowledge, he's making a very serious statement. He's saying that it's not that I don't know if Jesus was raised from the dead, but I believe it. Or I don't know how I feel about, but I believe it. He's saying that even if you don't know something in the way that the secular world would accept, it doesn't mean that it's not knowledge. And so when we go away from God, we lose knowledge of God, and so he defines idolatry as a loss of knowledge of God. So when people walk into the doors of a jazz community church, they will have all sorts of different ideas, even about what God is, about what worship is, about what matters. I'm here to suggest, as part of this conversation about vision and values, that it isn't going to be that the church tells anybody what values matter, but it is that by the way we do community, we're going to show people what our values are. And when we sing, particularly the everybody singing together type of singing, the congregational singing, if you will, I would subjectively like to suggest that a person will know more about how a church and what it believes by how it sings together 
than by who's preaching nice sounding sermons or lovely prayers or other forms of language-based oratory and rhetoric which are really important. But as Wittgenstein argued, we can be deceived by our own words. So lamentations, lamentations. A terrible time in the history of Israel and we start in chapter three. I know some of you have turned there. Thank you very much. From verse 19, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is better beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The unfailing love of the Lord never ends. By his mercies we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each day. And so as I close, there are some other ideas on this table that can just stay there for some other time. But perhaps it is worth saying that all the people represented here have been thinking as Christians about how all Christians can be increasingly more powerful witnesses to a life worth living. C.S. Lewis said that maybe the most important difference between a Christian and not a Christian is that the Christian knows that they are a fallen person in a fallen world. And so it is not perfection that will drive hope. It is how we manage the imperfections of a broken world, of broken relationships, of broken families, of broken health. My own spiritual journey has taught me that God is not here to solve all the problems of my life, but he does provide grace when I think I cannot continue. And if it were not for that grace, I would not be standing here talking to you right now. And so it is in the depths of despair that the prophet Jeremiah says the words, great is thy faithfulness. And so my hope would be that Jazz Community Church would be a place where people would learn that the faithfulness of God is the only thing upon which we can depend and that whatever our experience is, we will always be able to put the gratefulness of God. Thank you very much. Well, that's all from us here today. I uh, hope you've enjoyed uh, the podcast today. Do uh, connect with us in all of the usual ways. We're on Facebook. Search for Jazz Community Church. Uh, the website is www.jazzcommunity.church. Um, and we're on Twitter as well. And do drop us in an email um, via the website or come along on a Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock uh, in Kings Heath in Birmingham in the UK. We'd love to see you. Until next time, bye-bye.